Hello, bonjour, hola, privet, ni hao, salve, konnichiwa, guten tag, marhaba, and assalamu alaikum. Damn it, I ran out. But welcome to Majoring in the Minors podcast, a podcast where we talk about how the majority of people focus on the minor things in life. You're super good looking host and his stunted friend, as usual, Mahi and the stunted mom being Louis. Today, we had a super amazing and interesting episode. We managed to bring three of our friends one by one without them knowing that the episode is going to happen into the call, recorded them and put them on the internet because that's what you do to your friends, right? I'm not going to give much of the episode away, but we did talk a lot about psychology and ways of putting your emotion out, especially through mediums such as art. So without further ado, I do like you guys to just listen to this and hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hostile. Hostile, not yeah. It's actually hostile. <laughs> yeah, man. You never noticed. No, you know when you read something and you don't read it, like your brain just reads it in a way. So all this time I've been reading it at Hostelinda. I was like, why? I I was like, why is it hustling? I but never questioned it. Like, I think as a gamer, you just stop asking questions from people's names. Like, because um, I I have some of some of my friends that I've known for years. I play games with. And I've never met them in real life, and I can just literally have sat that sit down and have an existential or very deep conversation, and then in the same conversation, be like, "Yo, dragon." And Blue Boy 20, what do you guys think? <laughs> like, Barbie Girl uh, December. Yeah, it's just like uh, one of my good gamer friends, his name is Speaker of the Dead. <laughs> so we call him Sod. We're like, we're like, dude, what, what's up? Uh, but like, that's why I, I don't like judge names or probably sometimes don't read them properly. So Hasta Linda, this is your... Hasta new... Linda. Hasta <laughs> Linda. Hasta Linda. Um, <laughs> Thank you for joining us for our podcast what, episode. Was I really joining? <laughs> seems more like an intervention. <laughs> this is like a um, kidnapping. This is virtual kidnapping, mm-hmm. pretty much. It is. It is. Yeah. I'll just send an SOS right now, just in case. Yeah, to they, who? To who? Hostel no one's gonna, who's gonna save you? Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> no one's gonna save the hostel, hostel Linda. And the topic of conversation is self-deprecation. My Wi-Fi is out. I'm sorry, I can't uh, hear you guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. you're breaking up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's going to get two pieces of paper and go like, ah, it's cutting, it's cutting. <laughs> or how about we talk about art first? And then... Yeah, no, I was kidding. Uh, I do want to talk about oh. art because like, that's one thing that you do a lot. And uh, we all appreciate it. And think um, for anyone who actually listens to this, Hasta Linda <laughs> or Hassel Nadia is the person who did our um, cover photo for Majoring in the Minus podcast. So, yeah, she's the brains behind that. Also, she's done our good friends, uh, Alessandro's podcast and community and everything else. And I know you're already working on a couple of other projects. Um, cover your face as much as you want but people are just gonna hear your voice <laughs> not gonna Fuck. change anything so yeah am i allowed to cuss yes absolutely this is uh, no 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 don't. 
Sorry. After after having Lou on our podcast, we need to be clean for a couple of episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, PG. PG for a while. So yeah, just come on. Tell us. Tell me. You know what? Forget about us. Talk to me uh, about what got you into what you do, and actually, what is? How would you describe what you do in in the first place? Digital arts. What got you into doing digital arts? Therapy. Yeah. Before. Uh, before actually seeking therapy, art was like the only way I could vent out my feelings without getting judgment from Excellent. people. That sounds great. Like, listen, look at me. You, you've talked to me. You know me, right? I have written a poetry book when I was 15, 16, right? And it's the, I actually, I have it. It's full of messed up emo shit that I was just it was so dark that I would send to my family and like one of the poems that I really loved and I sent it to my family when I was 18 was like and I died goodbye that is literally the name of the poem (laughs) and I send it to my mom and she calls me frantically she's like are you okay I'm like yeah I'm fine peachy why it's like you just sent me a poem that says like I'm dead goodbye and like it's so dark I'm like yeah that's just me venting so I totally get like art can be a way of getting all these pent up emotions out there so mm-hmm. yeah perfect um, and now I, I'm uh, sorry I, I I gotta apologize I didn't mean to like laugh at your your work before I I'm just laughing because I'm at that phase right now yeah no. <laughs> it's absolutely fine I the whole point of it for you to laugh because like. I look at it, I'm like, what, dude, what was I smoking? Like, why was I so depressed? Uh, what happened? Now, it's, it's, it is funny. Like, it's interesting to look back at those things and be like, and just think, because I'm not the same person I was then. So it's interesting to look at it and be like, just kind of try to look back into the mindset I had back in the day and be like, why did I do what I did? Yeah. So why did you do what you do? <laughs> why do you do what do you do? Um. Well, like I said, it was therapeutic in a way. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, uh, I have really bad anxiety. So my brain does not stop working, mm-hmm. even the most random stuff. So I, I, I had to like let it out in a way, in a, something that's tangible so that I could get my brain to pause for even five minutes mm-hmm. or in that case, like a few hours. So I could calm down as well. Yeah. Um, because back then, well, right now, I'm the work that I'm doing, I could only work on one thing every few days. Back then, it was three full paintings every day because mm-hmm. I, I needed a way to get my brain to slow down, calm down, like chill for a bit. This episode, we just randomly halfway through the episode brought someone else in because <laughs> why not? This, like, this is how professional we are. But going back to what Nadia was saying, uh, about like you know how doing uh, digital illustrations was a way for you like you know a way for you to vent out before going into therapy do you mind touching that uh, touching that again <laughs> <laughs> do you mind going through that again so Sahar can hear as well and then like we continue the conversation from there the reason why I got into digital art in the first place was because it was the only way I could vent out my feelings and make something tangible because at the time I wasn't seeking therapy. I am now, but um, at the time I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know what anxiety was, but it was eating me up so much that I had to, 
I had to let it out in a way that wasn't destructive to the people around me. Um, especially because, uh, as I said earlier, my brain would work nonstop, uh, just thinking about random things and it would eat me up so much. I had to, I had to find a way to get my brain to pause and like chill the fuck out. <laughs> Otherwise well, I would have gone I more mean, crazy. Like I'm, go on, go on. You were saying? Oh, no, that was it. I was going to say, firstly, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I mean, having to experience these things on your own and really trying to navigate exactly what's going on, it can be really tough when you don't know what's going on. And you constantly, I mean, this this happens to a lot of people that you feel like something is wrong and you don't mm. understand what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't pinpoint exactly what it is because you're constantly in this cycle of shaming yourself where you're like oh actually i i'm probably just lazy or i'm probably just like i'm uh, like going insane or not, people don't usually end up thinking that they're going insane because actually what they're feeling are very very normal thoughts but at the same time they're just bogging them down to such an extent that you feel so excluded mm -hmm. from from everybody else but the fact that you actually found a medium, a medium as amazing as artwork. Um, I I don't have that much of a creative side to me. Like, I mean, I would have really loved to be able to express myself through drawing or painting because it's something that, that, that sounds so like, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, exquisite. <laughs> but I, I, it's just, it's so nice to be able to fall back on something like that. And like, I think that it's so great that you were able to find um, some peace in, uh, in, in pursuing artwork and kind of trying to express yourself in that way. So when did you find that um, that you were actually putting your emotions uh, onto your digital artwork? How did you realize that that's something that you were doing? Okay, just for a second, I nearly cried. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole therapist thing, you know. <laughs> um, sorry, what did you ask? <laughs> Uh, how did you how did you figure that you were actually putting your emotions into your pieces so oh, like well. I mean sometimes you're just you know it, it so happens that sometimes you're just like very casually going into your artwork and a lot of the people that that I've worked with and actually a lot of my friends who are artistic as well have made pieces and they've shown it shown them to me I mean not necessarily digital in fact I do have one friend who's into into digital artwork but like so they would show me their pieces and they wouldn't even realize how much emotion is in those pieces. Is that something that you were aware of when you were getting into your artwork? Um, actually, no, um, I didn't realize it until, um, do you know the website DeviantArts? No, kind of actually, like I don't. You know, uh, Mahan, you're familiar with it. So it's where people yeah. post their art and people would comment or share critique or something. Mm -hmm. And when I was posting them, uh, I would get certain people like saying, oh my gosh, this spoke to me. Do you feel this way too? Like, do you feel this type of loneliness? I'm like, mm -hmm. how did you know? Why would mm -hmm. you know that? I thought mm -hmm. I was the only one who would because I made it. Mm -hmm. um, and then other people would say like, they would feel the same type of anger that would show in it. Mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. think that it was that deep. I just made something in like five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um but it didn't really resonate with me until other people started to see the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, there might be something else going on in there that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, I know. It's so interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, how you can, it's like basically delving into an artist's mind, even when you're going to galleries and stuff, you're basically 
just going into somebody else's mind for a little while. You're just delving deep into exactly the, the abstract ideas that are going on in their mind, the kind of colors that people use. It's all, it feels mm-hmm. unintentional, but it's actually all pretty intentional, isn't it? It is, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's um, really interesting. That's even how you recognize other people's styles. Like some people would use mostly earth tones, um, you know, that brings warmth into the to their work. Other people would use cold, harsh colors, very mm-hmm. rigid, scratchy lines. It's mm-hmm. very distinctive from artist to artist. And mine was very emo. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Why would you say that? Because it was. <laughs> it was that's at it, first. It was. That, that, that's all there is to it. <laughs> what? How, what? What would you? Okay, so because. Yeah, I was I was just basically going to say that I'm not an artist myself and I don't have that much of a creative side to me. But I'm really curious to know what you would consider evil as part of your your pieces. Like what part of it would you actually say? Okay, like like an example basically. Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I thought you were I thought you were gonna give an example. Um, Who else is an artist here? But I just to get it right, you said emo, right? Emo, not evil. Not evil. She said, I think Nadia said her work was emo. Emo. Oh, oops. Starting My out. bad. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Okay, it's like, okay. It's the work of the devil, basically. No. <laughs> so, so not evil, emo. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was imagining like satanic drawings. <laughs> That's accurate as well, though. Uh, I was just going to say to evolve in our own way <laughs> of course when did you get into art uh i was in fifth grade so it's oh wow been, so this goes yeah. way back huh yeah yeah it was and then um but i didn't take it seriously until like 2009 ish like in ninth grade okay okay yeah now, how do you think your therapy uh, has contributed to it it brought me back to it because there was oh, really? a long period where I stopped. Okay. Um, the, my depression got so bad that I couldn't see joy in drawing anymore. And I stopped yeah. for a good few years. Yeah. So seeing therapy helped me bring back that into my life too, which oh, I'm very grateful for. I wouldn't have otherwise. That's so amazing. Sorry, Mahan and Louis, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to ask. So <clears throat> I want to know how you feel right now about your art because as you were saying that i just went through your instagram page again and i can see like if i just scroll down enough because you did say like artists have different styles and different colors and i can see like it's like darker colors it's just not that much variety in the pictures and as i scroll up their brighter colors come up especially there's Mm -hmm. one picture that stands out to me it's like lots of flowers bright lights and everything else the girl has like rosy lips and then after that, there is more color in your mm-hmm. in the pictures that you put on your Instagram. So, do you think that kind of also represents how you're feeling right now as well, and like it, it is an expression of that? Yeah, she was. I um I didn't notice it as well until like a few weeks ago, where I was scrolling. I would only use diluted, dull colors before, and now it's like bright. I love colors, um, especially I love painting skin. Uh, like human skin I would always use pale blues and purples because you know I was sad and whatever and all that um now I'm so sad but I'm just using brighter purples now (laughs) brighter blues (laughs) it did make me sad 
a little bit seeing my old stuff like damn I was this sad I mean I I know we all we all have to grow through what we go through and stuff but I didn't realize how bad it was until I'm actually out of it it still does get bad from time to time but at least now I've had the tools to 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 cope with it but looking back at my old stuff I kind of forgot how bad it was how does it feel when you look back and recognize that bittersweet yeah. like on one hand I kind of want to go back and tell her like you know it's fine it's fine just calm down it's gonna get better but at the same time it's like I kind of had to go through that yeah of course you have you have to of course you know i mean it's it's interesting we all process grief and sadness and depression and anything along the lines of that our anxiety we all process it in different ways so even with anxiety it manifests in so many different ways and in different people like i do have a lot of problems with anxiety as well and i know like for me it it surfaces in digestive problems um and i never knew that it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever um i when i initially moved to london i was going through quite a tough time um trying to adjust to um just a completely different culture uh, because i mean pakistan and london like it's just a completely different place right so um i was trying to adjust to that and then obviously all the different people and seeing as i i came from a very conservative family and i had made friends with people who had like very um westernized thinking um i was trying to adjust to that as well and i wanted to be like my friends and i would have been towards my parents for making me move to a place that was so different to what i was used to um, it was just all very very stressful and i was acting out quite a lot and i was noticing in those days that i was i just i, I constantly had problems with my digestion constantly and can you believe that it anxiety and that's how little oh. we talk about mental health and that's why that's why it, it makes me so sad that there's there's such little information out there about like mental health and stuff you know even when even in households where a person might have a mental illness right like you'll have mm-hmm. um one person who maybe so i have this one cousin right um and he has been acting out since a very very young age and i could always tell that something was up right and i was always very understanding um I with him and i would talk with him about all these different things that he was feeling um he was very um erratic he was very emotional um i i know that he he used to uh think about suicide quite often he always used to feel um like nobody understood him and my god he was treated so awfully in at home because everybody just used to be like snap out of it just stop like why are you being this way you don't have to be this way but you don't have control over it the person who is experiencing it does not actually have control over it and it's so sad that nobody else understands and it wasn't until he started going to therapy that he started realizing that all of these impulsive behaviors and the fact that you know he, he had emotional highs and emotional lows that it was all the direct result of him having bipolar disorder and once once he actually got that diagnosis it was it was almost it was almost comforting for him to fall back on the fact that actually no that there there's an explanation there was something that there was something wrong and it wasn't just that um that that there was nothing wrong and there was just something that he was just being problematic for no reason right 
And that's why I, I feel as though the conversation around mental health needs to, uh, needs to be addressed a lot more and that people need to people need to take a step back and they need to start being more compassionate towards another human being who might be feeling really anxious or, or weird or um, upset or just be behaving in ways that another human being wouldn't be behaving as. We need to become more accepting and tolerant of, of different kinds of behaviors. And I just, I hope, I hope, hope, hope that one day we, we manage to succeed in achieving this in society. I agree 100%. And I'm so glad you opened up about that. I wanted to ask, though, you would get it because uh, three of us out of, out of four here are brown. So how did you end up being in a field where mental health is kind of a taboo topic here, like with the conservative families and such? How did you yeah. get into that? How did you even um, explain to them like, hey, you know, there's something wrong, but it's fixable. It's not like there's something wrong with you. You mean in terms of like my cousin or just in terms of just me or uh, just kind of trying to introduce my family to the idea of mental health? Is that what you mean? With you where you're, you're at now, you said uh, they mentioned you were in your therapy, you're in therapy or like, uh, no, you're not in therapy. You're yeah. a therapist? I'm yes. So I'm a therapist in training. So basically I... When I was first going into university, my father was, wasn't okay with the fact that I wanted to study psychology because he was very hesitant about what was going to happen to my life and future. Um, he felt like it was a bit of a pseudoscience and um, uh, nothing concrete could really come out of it because it's just like a bunch of blah, blah, blah. That, that's, that's pretty much exactly what he said when, <laughs> when he was trying to explain to me that it's not something that I should be doing. But... Um, uh, I, I was very stubborn at that point uh, and I'm glad I was because this is something that I really enjoy um, and it was the subject that I had taken during my A-levels as well and he constantly tried to explain to me that actually you know pursuing it for university is very different to pursuing it for your A-levels and you know you have other options in your A-levels and this is just like a side thing and but I fought for it and I um, I decided that I was going to study psychology no matter what and he was just a bit like okay just just do what you want that's completely fine and I did it and I don't regret it at all it's just it's a subject that I, that's actually opened up in my my mind in ways that I don't think I would have ever been able to open up in the in a similar way if I had studied anything else and I was always the person when I was younger where my friends would always come and talk to me about everything because I, I had a very empathetic attitude and I always wanted to understand why people were behaving in the way that they were behaving and what were the root causes behind they were like the root causes behind the way they were behaving it was it was almost as though my brain was attuned to just being that way genetically um and that it's not something that I had learned it's just something that that I was just aware of and I was very intrinsically interested in and um yeah, then over time, uh, I told my parents that I wanted to become a therapist and, and they said, fine. I know that a lot of the things that I say and do in the household, they don't really agree with, but I think everyone has room for improvement. And slowly and gradually, I feel like they are also coming around to the ideas that that I I believe in. So, for example, the fact that my, my mother 
uh, doesn't really constantly force marriage upon me anymore. It's a very big step because um, being brown and <laughs> her having the pressure, societal pressures as well, that all of her friends' kids are getting married. And, you know, she's like constantly concerned about the fact that, oh, you know, what's going to happen to my daughter? And I keep trying to explain the concept of independence to her and about how, like, I don't need to be the property of another man. I know that this ties into like more feminism, but I mean, it's all related to mental health as well like your equality is about like being able to be your own person um and being accept accepted for that so slowly and gradually i feel like they are coming around to the idea they're not as conservative as they were when i first moved here um definitely not in fact it's it's improved significantly not to say that conservative people are need improvement or anything like that but it's just an improvement for me basically no, it's, it's just, I'm really glad that we brought Sahi into this so that you could actually open up because I know you were very shy to get on. To I pod. wasn't shy to get on. I was okay. ambushed. There's a difference. Yeah, to be shy, she <laughs> needed to know that this is happening. But, <laughs> it's um, okay, I'm glad we're doing this. To yeah, to be, on, to be honest, I'm just kind of like, I'm letting... Saha be the host and like Louis and I are just sitting in the background and let these two have the conversation. Because Saha <laughs> should be starting her own podcast. podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe mm. eventually. Mm. Uh, I, mm. I, I am getting used to um, expressing myself this way uh, slowly and gradually. I never thought that that this would be a thing um, that I, I actually Mahan and Louis were the ones who actually told me that um, I express m my thoughts on mental health quite well. And I was actually quite surprised to hear that they, that they felt that way. I, putting something down on paper is very different to, to talking about it. Talking about something can be very nerve wracking because you have to be very present and you have to make sure you say the right thing in that moment um, and you can't really take it back. Uh, whereas when you're writing stuff out, um, you can you can go back on it and you can kind of change it before you allow the public to see it. So it can be very nerve wracking, but slowly and gradually I'm coming around to the idea. It's, it's happening. And the fact that I'm willing to jump into a podcast in the middle of the day without even thinking about it, it goes to show that like things, things are improving slowly and gradually. I do agree with them. It's so easy to talk to you about these things. It's nice to actually listen to <laughs> someone who can word all these things so eloquently. Thank so you. Beautifully. Thank you. I always used to be worried that I don't articulate myself very well. Um, it's mainly because of the fact that uh, I think it's it has a lot to do with the fact that I have I've never been allowed to express myself uh, whilst growing up. So whilst I was living in Pakistan, not only was I a girl, but I, I was the youngest in the family. Um, so I was never allowed to express how I was feeling and I was never allowed to express what I was thinking um, because it would be considered what we would call in Urdu Battamese, but like that basically means ill-mannered, um, just talking back to your elders and stuff. And But a very crucial part of growing up is actually putting the what you think and how you feel and your uh, your views into words uh, for other people to understand. And your your primary caregivers and your siblings are the are the first people in the world that are you're you're gonna be able to talk to about these things. And then secondary would be your friends. Um, but because I was hushed so much at home, I was also hushed a lot in my in my friends group. Um, so like I I feel like I, I so I used to allow people to talk over me. I, 
I used to get my point across to other people. I used to feel like I had to, I had to take a few minutes to think before talking. Um, so that's, I think that probably plays into the fact that I never really wanted to get into like a podcast or anything like that. But slowly and gradually things are getting better. Just goes to show that over time you can really, really improve on the things that you're not very good at. And um, I know that there are certain things that certain people are more inter- like g- genetically just, just much better at, for example, learning languages. Um, some people will be better at it than other people, but that doesn't mean that the people who aren't very good at it can't improve. And I think that's the main thing to be focusing on when you're, uh, when you're pursuing uh, your future. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. But also one thing I wanted to say, and this is, I heard it somewhere else. It's not my own knowledge, so I'm not going to pretend that I, I say this. But just because you have to say it in an environment doesn't mean you can't take it back. Because as you said, we have to think and speak as fast as we can. And sometimes you might even say something that you don't necessarily mean. And mm-hmm. it's it's not a representation of who you are. So there are take backs on that as long as you're like, you know, you're honest with yourself and everyone else is listening to it. And you you can literally take, st- I think it was Lou who said that actually, not this Louis, uh, uh, Bomb's body's Lou. They're like, he's just going to take take a moment. And then if he wants to change his opinion, he'll be like, no, well, actually what I said wasn't what I meant. And like, this is what I mean. But in the moment, you might say stuff, but there are take backs. I don't think there are none. They should, we should all be comfortable or more comfortable with talking to others and expressing ourselves. And it's never, uh, what I say right now is not a representation of who I am even two days from now or a week from now or even six months from now. I completely agree with that, uh, Mahan. Actually, it's really interesting that you say that because um, I always believe in normalizing, um, changing your point of view when presented with new information. And a lot of people struggle to do that because they get really emotionally involved in their, um, they get emotionally involved with uh, their their thought processes because they're, um, let's say people's political political views or their religious views, it becomes a very egotistical thing. Um, People start feeling as though um, this is a part of my identity. And if somebody tries to challenge uh, a political point of view or religious point of view, or even their knowledge about any sort of subject, um, people start getting, uh, coming under pressure and they start feeling like their identity is being attacked. And then um, they start attacking the person uh, further as well. So, I, I will admit at this point that I used to have a really big problem with not admitting that I was wrong, but actually saying the wrong thing in the first place, because I was really worried that I would come off as being someone who's stupid. Um, and then it took me a lot of time uh, to come to terms with this as well, and to actually start realizing that you can't ever move forward in life unless people come to you with conflicting opinions, and that if they have a conflicting opinion, it doesn't mean that I am in, like, just stupid. Uh, it it means that we are having a back and forth, and that it's okay for people to give new information because it means that I'll grow as a person as well. But I was always so scared of being called stupid for having a certain opinion because that happens quite often. It happens really often that you'll be speaking to someone and you'll tell them your point of view about something and they'll turn around and they'll say something like, well, that's stupid. But just because I said something, just because I said something that could be considered 
not very well thought through doesn't mean that another person has the right to be stupid and this is why people hold back um on on their on their thought processes a lot as well because they get insulted and they get shamed and it's really sad that the world is like that uh because we should be promoting people to actually share their opinions so that so that if something needs changing that you can let them know what the new information is and that they, they can change what they think about that without actually feeling shame and hurt and like their ego is being uh, exposed in a way that they're not comfortable with or like their sorry identity is being threatened in any sort of way and i just i feel like people need to also become more um what's the word that i'm looking for here they need to they need to be more accepting of the fact that other people need to learn new things and that they might have uh, an opinion that could potentially be wrong and it could potentially be um har- harming it's it could be harmful but that there's always a nice way of letting them know that actually this is the new information and this is probably what you should be thinking without making them feel stupid because then people would be much more inclined to change their point of view totally agree with that said i love that she brought up the whole fact that people are not able to discuss how they feel or their ideas without being shat on by society and ridiculed think- anyway i just muted louis so i can finish with <laughs> i'm kidding sorry louis <laughs> uh, uh, no no but on a real note this is the problem we have nowadays this inability to debate and what you said this whole how we're we're very egocentric and our inability to sort of separate from the ego and actually have whole, wholesome conversations with people where we can have differing opinions that's what used to make the world so great that's what made the us great and england and now it's become this this polarized world where you have to have one opinion and if you don't have the same opinion they all just disagree with you so i, I really love that you brought that up and now mahan you can continue <laughs> and i am going to disagree with you and be like that no i'm kidding um no no it is a good point and and that's like it all started off of what i said that i think people can have take backs and like you know be comfortable in what you say but also be comfortable as uh, sai said in change and if you be open to different opinions and if you think something's you know something you say is wrong or you learn that is wrong then just be comfortable enough with yourself to admit that you were wrong but don't be afraid of making mistakes because if you don't take that leap of faith you'll never fly little bird you'll never fly but anyway right so i for me i focused a lot on my self care so it wasn't really me expressing my emotions as such but it was more me taking care of my mental state um and i do that through different activities um so for example the mere fact that i've started an instagram page about mental health has actually helped me so much with navigating my own emotions and understanding myself a lot better um especially being a south asian like a girl from the south asian culture origin and uh what's it called the other things that i end up doing are like i i think gym would have to play a really big role in this because i feel like my mental health is very consistent from uh from being able to work out for an hour every day it's like my time it's for me and i process a lot of things while i'm gymming um 
and it's just it's it's so exhilarating just the whole thing and um there was this period of time and i wish that i could do this more often i feel like being around animals really helps with your mental health it's really strange like they have like this weird impact on you where um they, i i don't i don't know if you'd call it a vibe or i i don't know but like being around animals actually makes me feel so much better and i remember the summer that i had taken up horse riding which was like a couple of years ago um like i was uh, i was learning how to horse ride and i i was the happiest I had been for a very long time during that summer and I really really dedicated to being on horses and spending time with horses because they're such majestic animals and and they make you feel really different I I really don't even know how to put into words how 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 I was feeling yeah, that's all that's all I can say to it but or about it actually uh and even dogs actually i love spending time with dogs i i feel like dogs really improve your mental health as well um but yeah uh well i do agree about the animal thing i could watch hours and hours of like just aquariums like those there are some youtube channels that would have like a live webcam of just their aquarium of like fish just swimming by cuz like your fish what do you have to be stressed about i want to be that i would could watch that for hours or even tarantula feeding videos me down <laughs> so much i love it <laughs> okay let me get this straight you watching something that honestly if it was bigger than it is right now it would be considered like a monster anyways mhm she vow another creature yes and that would it's, get you it's empowering yeah it's very it is yeah. maybe maybe she relates to a tar- tarantula yeah you you're think, a good therapist <laughs> <laughs> i was i was just kidding around to be completely honest it would be really bad oh, really? if it's something like that in therapy yeah by the way you think you're a tarantula don't you <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um So anyways, uh it was either that or playing video games, like just very calming video games that could like just bring me peace. Cuz sometimes you're just not in the mood to do even if you love art, even if you love doing what there's always backups cuz sometimes you just want to get away from that so you don't get sick of it either. So it was either painting, drawing, whatever. If I'm sick of it, I'd go to video games. Uh video games are actually a really really good way um uh, to take a step out of your world and go somewhere else for a little while. It's a really really good way of doing that. That's exactly why. Mhm. It's excellent. I want to touch back on this tarantula thing because I feel like it's actually <laughs> really interesting. No, actually like I I I'm really curious to know what part of a tarantula do you like resonate with the most? Cuz there there's these big ugly hairy scary looking creatures but there's just so misunderstood. Once you get past all the squeam and squeamish parts, you can see like how pretty they actually are. Yeah. Cuz cuz When you picture tarantula you would see a big black or brown hairy thing. But there mm-hmm. are purple ones, there are blue ones. My favorite is a bright blue one and it's just gorgeous and mahan. I know you're judging me. Both of you. 
It's only something I said in therapy. Because <laughs> my reaction is like this. And Louis, my God. I just talked about like. <laughs> she was just saying. She was. You was just saying it. Like, literally, at like, ridicule. 10 minutes ago. <laughs> my God. I'm disappointed in both of you. <laughs> it was Lewis's face. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to cut this out. But when you said it's a black or brown hairy thing. <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way. <laughs> All I could see was Lewis's eyes just went. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh no! Because <laughs> if you take that out of context, <coughs> oh god, sorry. Uh, so I wasn't laughing at your tarantula; I was just l- like okay. laughing at Louis. <laughs> oh. oh my face! You know what? I, do you jokes. know what I'm hearing at the moment? Sorry. Do you know what I'm hearing at the moment? I feel like you are starting to realize how much you're blossoming am i right am i you don't think you are i don't i don't know do you feel I, like I you're you're blossoming as a person that like you can actually look back and you can you can start to feel more um like embrace who you are and just you know um wait i want to i want to rephrase this question okay. hold on let me think for a second so basically, I think what I'm curious to know about is, do you struggle with empowerment? Yeah, do you struggle you with being empowered? And Nadia. Um, oh, Nadia. I used to. I, yeah, I used you used to. to? Yeah. So yeah. do you feel do you feel more empowered today? Empowered in my own thoughts, yes. Like yes, I, do, I don't right? feel as ashamed as I was before. So I think this is what I mean, that do you feel that now when you look back at yourself, do you feel like you've really blossomed? Okay, well, when you put it that way, okay. <laughs> I blossomed. Y'all, I blossomed. <laughs> you know what? Life is a journey and we're constantly improving. We're constantly trying to improve, but it's really important, I feel, to look back and see how far you've come. It's, it's so, it's crucial to your, to your future as well. Sometimes you just got to take a step back and just kind of be like, wow, like I've achieved a lot. I've done a lot. Yeah. Even the is, little things. Yeah, that's true. Which is one of the nice things about being into art because you get to see where you started. And it's not just like your skills, the, tech, the, the technical skills and such. It's your mindset at the time versus where you are now. Yeah. Agreed. Nice. Agreed. Yeah. Because it's, it's a visual representation, right? And it's really interesting. Um, and I just, I feel like sometimes a lot of people don't give themselves credit for the small things that they have achieved over the years um, that they couldn't have even imagined achieving, um, let's say two, three years from where you are right now, let's say, for example. And it's so like, we forget to celebrate these things and it's that self-compassion and that celebration that actually keeps you moving forward and motivates you to do better and better and better every single day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm just going to quickly try to bring everyone up to date. So whoever's listening to this, 
Riambush uh nadia into coming on our podcast after that we managed to pull saha in and now because we're that good sleight of hand <laughs> we actually managed to bring a third person into this episode without you guys even noticing mainly because you guys can't see our screens but uh yeah we have uh, tara here and i'm just gonna even though i know nothing of her i'm just gonna throw in a random question if I were to ask you on the spot, can you give me any recommendation on how to vent out negative emotions out of my life? What would I do? Bam, go. I would talk to someone about it personally, um, or I would do something to distract myself. Like I would probably draw or play video game. Yeah, I think. Those are the three things I'll probably do. You and Nadia have a lot in common. I mean, we're friends, friends. right? We're... <laughs> I'm just your friend. We've been best friends oh, for, for years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes sense now. I thought you guys didn't know each other. Oh, no, we did. No, we also no, hated we each other when we together. first met. Mm. That usually yeah. happens, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> So <clears throat> I want to go somewhere because like this, this is going back to one of the conversations that Saha brought up and I really want to address it because I, I see this a lot and it's one of the things that kind of gets on my nerves. And the idea is like, you know, I am 100% behind people training and using training as a way of getting out of their own heads. But I think training on the gym floor, like, you know, just training and pushing yourself to the extremes is not the only way to release this pent-up tension. And I feel like sometimes finding another way of, you know, as, as they've brought up, talking to people, especially talk to professionals, seek help. Because uh, I keep hearing like, oh, what's the reason you got to get into training? And they're like, oh, it's just because like, I don't know, I was depressed or was sad or I'm trying to deal with stuff. And as much as it can help, it's just a band-aid. It's not fixing the problem. So like when Saha brought it up, she's like, she has other ways of dealing with her problems too. And then training as a plus can help her. But I, I've been seeing, especially on social media a lot that like it's getting glorified that like if you have, issues just like before like people instead of actually focusing on the solution they're just like oh yeah i just like train to forget my pain or i train like you know uh i train there is a meme about it like where do we hide our pain in our muscles how do we hide more pain is to get more muscles like what the hell no just go and fix your problem go and talk to someone go find the solution like this is just a short-term distraction so i don't know if saha has anything else to say about that or anyone else for that yeah i'm 100 with you mahan like 100 with you i think self-reflecting is one of the harder the harder things we have to um do in life and self-reflecting involves you coming face to face with a lot of shame but it's not until we actually come face to face with that shame that we can actually improve as human beings you can't fix a problem unless you recognize what the problem is right and if you refuse to recognize what a problem is then that's it you're never going to be able to fix it right <clears throat> and if you're constantly seeking distractions from your problems or running away from them uh 
using things like gym and stuff like that it's bound to stay with you and surface in ways that you can't possibly comp- like that you can't possibly understand that it becomes harder and harder and harder to solve those problems because eventually you forget over time you forget what the problem was but it stays with you the feeling stays with you um your neuro that neuroplasticity kind of stays with you because it's something you've never addressed and it's something you've never tried to kind of work with and and change so <clears throat> i really do feel that despite the fact that distractions can be very important because um it's it's something that really kind of helps relieve the tension um every now and again but it's not something that people should rely on and that sometimes despite the fact that self reflection can feel really really bad that people actually need to go through with it people need to sit down and they need to process they need to like even journal like when when i i know that mahan you had mentioned once that you don't think that journaling is that great but i feel like if you have certain journal prompts that actually help you figure out and navigate your emotions visually because some people are more so even even for example nadia like how she expresses herself through artwork some people can express themselves through writing right and it's the visual representation that they really rely on to help them kind of focus and and organize their thought processes and i i feel like these things are really important there's one more thing that that uh people misunderstand about therapy people think that they'll go to therapy and that um things will start getting better immediately that the therapist is supposed to make things okay for them and then when they start realizing that things are actually getting worse initially they stop going to therapy because they're like oh this person is just there for mind my language they're fucking me up even more but in reality this is actually sometimes a good thing i mean obviously there are there are certain things that are problematic let's say for example if you feel like your your therapist is judging you then you're probably not going to get very far in therapy because you're not going to express your your feelings very openly in front of them so then that means that you have to change your therapist that kind of bad feeling yeah 100% you have to change your therapist but the kind of bad feeling where you're starting to where the shame starts coming up inside of you and you're starting to recognize all these weird and horrible things that you were trying to like hide your your innermost demons when they start coming out you feel awful you feel awful you're like oh my god like these are things that i've been trying to run away from for such a long time and now all of a sudden it's being brought to the surface and i just i wanted to go away i wanted to go down and that's what the people strive to do that's the first thing people try to do because they just don't want to have to deal with that kind of pain and then when it starts coming out they they panic and you have to learn to deal with that panic and you have to learn to sit with it i know a lot of people a lot of therapists say that just sit with that feeling sit with that feeling of anxiety sit with that feeling of sadness sit with that feeling of shame really try to understand it really try to comprehend exactly how you can dissect it and how you can move forward from it because unless you do that you're not going to go anywhere you actually aren't and once you start doing that initially you probably will go through like periods of depression because you're going to start coming face to face with your innermost demons but once you start processing it things start to get better and 100% you you do jump off the bandwagon sometimes like you know you you think that you're doing really well and then all of a sudden you jump off and like you retract relapses are really really normal and um people don't talk about it enough they just think that oh you know i made so much progress and now i've 
digressed and you know I don't know what I've done and they start judging themselves for it but it's really important not to judge yourself for it because you're fighting something that has stuck with you your whole life and it is going to fight back it is going to try to try to take over again and again and again but over time the more you keep fighting it the less likely it is to take over and everybody has ups and downs in their lives and you just learn how to process your downs a lot better which make your ups even better uh i'm just going to say something and then hand it to louis first of all like i think we all should pay <clears throat> saha for this because this has turned into a group therapy session <laughs> uh and also i'm glad you said that and you brought that up like because we discussed this before like changing your opinion and how like a couple of days or weeks or months can change you as a person and like what you said and yes i was not a big fan of journaling or meditating and i've said this many a times but then i had a very interesting conversation with one of our guests lou bombardier or bombs bodies uh and like the way he described it for me it was like hell yeah that's what i want to do that's what that's the definition of meditation i was looking for and it makes sense to me so admitting that like yeah the, and, but the way i've said it before as well was different but like admitting that yeah i can go to those points but having i've said that i'm gonna give this to louis because i know he has something to say and he has been very quiet yes um since Nadia and Tara are both best or close friends, both love watching tarantulas eat, eat animals, and you both went to the same university, and you both studied uh, advertising and art, no, artsy stuff. digital media. Okay. Uh, digital media. <laughs> digital media, which involved artsy stuff. And you're both in the art field. Could you describe how uni kind of helped you blossom your artistic skill or did it sort of constrict it in terms of expressing your emotions via the art? I mean, the university we went to, it wasn't actually very art friendly. So overall, I don't think it helped, but Nadia and I ended up in the same class and that kind of, well, I got pissed off because she was really good. Apparently, I was she was also very... she was good. <laughs> yeah, so then we competed. So we we just we just like fought for it. In the end, we both ended up finishing the class with hundred percent. So we never won. Like either of us didn't win. So, um, I don't think the I don't know Nadia. What do you think? Because I don't think the university, at least our specific university, was very art friendly. I don't think that kind of it did with you a little bit. Do you remember uh, 3D? I think that's how you got into like 3D art for even for a bit. It's because the classes that we had to take, the intro to animation or whatever. Um, and then you started sculpting on the side. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, you're right. I guess it was a good startup. And then we kind of branched out and um, enhanced on it on our own. Yeah, because I remember in uni, it wasn't just the classes or the professors, it was the students who didn't really care. Um, I didn't even care about the work until I saw you because then I had a reason to be petty, like I need to take this bitch down. So um, it, the university at least helped us. <laughs> it, at least it, this was by luck though, that we got to meet and we got to compete artistically because no one else really cared. 
Do you remember no yeah, one in that That was the only, yeah. yeah, that's the only off putting thing, I guess. I, but artistically, they, no, because they were very like, okay, we'll give you this a list of things that you need to include in your work, and that's it. It wasn't like, okay, here's a vague idea of what we want you to do and you go and do it. And you it. have the creative freedom for it. Yeah, no, there was barely any besides the animation classes. And even then it was very restricted. All right, and then since both of you are the artsy creative types and you both are in fields now where you are actually working in that, do you think your jobs help you express yourself? Or do you think it's, again, it's just a job that you're doing for the sake of doing it? And then you expressed yourself later on. Do you want I mean, to go first? Yeah. I mean, I work with Lego, right? So I guess since it's a very colorful brand, I do have a bit of freedom, but I'm still restricted to a certain extent. So it's not like, like I can express fully. So that if I had to do that, then I'd do something on my own. Um, for me, um, I'm mostly an illustrator. So I... I, thankfully, I do have the platform to be able to do both what I want and what clients want. And the great thing about it is that, honestly, 90% of what clients want from me, I would have never done that on my own. Like one of the things that I'm working now is, uh, <laughs> I, I can't even post this. It's a guy on a couch with like two prostitutes, one doing coke and another one is, um, yeah. Um, but you see, stuff like that, I wouldn't be able to do on my own. So in a way, it does help me branch out into things that I would never touch. Even like something as technical as color theory, colors I would never use, techniques I would never use. But in doing that for the client, I could learn how to work with these techniques and make them into my own in the future if I work on something that I would that is more personal. Please don't kick me out. Um, I like it so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, actually, I was going to ask both of you. So what's your favorite piece of art that you both made, whether uni or outside or obviously anything? the guy Could with you... the prostitutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, it, Nadia, I'm loving the struggle. Nadia, if you're speaking, nation. you're muted. So I don't know if you're speaking. Oh, you're thinking. No, I wasn't speaking. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So we go with Tara. What's your favorite piece? My favorite piece, uh, I think it was my senior project. I had 3D printed, well, I had 3D sculpted and printed a chess set. And each of the, the pieces were a mythical creature that I liked. And then I signed them to the pieces. And I had it done in resin. Uh, I really want to see that. I don't have, uh, I might have photos I can share with you later on. Please do. Oh my God, anywhere. that sounds so interesting. Definitely. And if someone's interested, can you tell us what the pieces were? Oh, no, this was like years ago. I have to like dig back and see what the characters were, the creatures were, sorry. I remember some of them. One was a minotaur. One was, uh, actually a lot of them were Persian mythological creatures. The Seymour. Oh, Mahan. There was a Seymour in there. I don't know if you're into... Nice. Uh, and Toyol. Is that, is that the name? No, Toyol the baby? is not. It was a, that was a Malaysian creature. 
Oh, okay. I had a full description of it. See, I'm one of her biggest fans. I remember her. One was a hippocampus, <laughs> the horse thing that ate people, and the old Triton, Triton, Poseidon, mm. Triton, the water guy. Poseidon. Poseidon. Um, I, I'm going to save this for later, but I, I, I want her to explain to you guys what Simorgh is, because like, that's going to be another funny yeah, conversation. Um, but yeah, uh, Nadia, your piece of art, because then I have a kind of a, I, I really want to know what your favorite one is as well. And then we want to see the chess piece and may, maybe the picture of what your favorite piece, like, piece of art is too. I'll be honest, I don't know if I have a favorite because I end up hating them after like five minutes once they're done. Which one did you have the most fun creating? Ooh, um, there was this uh, portrait of a bald girl with like a bunch of bugs on her. Was there a tarantula in the background waiting to eat the <laughs> bugs? There was a tarantula on her head. I do the, remember that. There you go. <laughs> I knew this was going to be... Um, now I have, if, if I can, I have a question that like, I wanted to start with this, the entire podcast, but we've taken like so many nice turns and like we've covered so many different areas, but I had this idea of, especially like looking at everyone who is in this call, like mainly Eastern or Southeastern, uh, cultures, and I want to f- talk about self-deprecation and being humble. Because I feel like in our culture, especially, we, to a fault, we try to be so humble that like it goes into self-deprecation and eventually it becomes a negative thing. So I want you to each talk about what sort of being humble and what is your definition of being humble? And like, where do you draw that line of, okay, this is all like in good fun and eventually it just crosses that line and it becomes self-deprecation to a point of you are just being really mean to yourself i don't know if i articulated that question properly but i just want each one of you to talk about what you think being humble and then what it is that people why people get into self-deprecation and how far is too much hopefully that made sense and everyone not just like you two i want everyone to go through it Well, um, I'll start. Okay, so the thing is, uh, as far as humbleness is concerned, I, I feel that it's, it's directly linked to kindness and just not making other people feel uh, inferior to you, right? Um, that, in, to me, would classify another human being as being a humble human being. Um, when this becomes... a bad thing it means just consistently putting other people before yourself now there will always be times in your life where you might need to put another another person before you right let's say for example you're having a bad day and i mean this is this is quite an extreme example you're having a bad day and you need time to yourself but uh, your best friend has contacted you and said oh my god i just lost a parent um I need you to come over right now. You would probably be like, you know what? Your bad day doesn't matter right now. I need to go attend to my friend. Um, but other times uh, where uh, I, I, talk, I talk about this with 
uh, in terms of mothers as well. There's something called the burnt toast syndrome. Um, and the burnt toast syndrome is basically that, um, you know, how uh, a mother accidentally burns one slice of toast, but then she makes a whole bunch of like toast that isn't burnt for the rest of the family. And she'll sit there eating the burnt toast while everybody else is enjoying the toast that isn't burnt. Why? And it's just, that doesn't mean you're humble. It just means that you are going into um, the category of, I will take care of everybody else, um, but I'm not going to take care of myself because I don't deserve um, being taken care of. I am the caretaker of the family. And actually that I feel is the wrong attitude to have because it makes a person resentful. Having healthy boundaries does not make you a bad person, right? You can still be humble and still have really, really healthy boundaries. As long as you don't make other people feel inferior, like purposely, then you're fine. Um, sometimes people will automatically feel inferior to you um, and blame you for it and tell and try to call you, as like try to label you as someone who isn't humble, but that's not always entirely true. Just because another person might feel that way doesn't mean that it's your fault. It could potentially also mean that they're just getting a little bit insecure about something, something is being triggered inside of them. Um, but I personally feel as though it's really um, important for you as a human being to constantly be aware of the fact that you want everyone uh, to be treated the same way, but to also always put yourself first so that you can then be there for other people as well. And that is my answer to your question. Um, I do agree, actually. Yeah, there is an aspect of like putting someone else um, before you, like whether it's their needs or their their skills or something like for example an athlete who got an award and is acknowledging the skills of his colleagues but but it does not doesn't necessarily mean that they're better than him but that there are others that are just as great as me and I would acknowledge that but for example self-deprecating is like saying you know it was pure luck I didn't know what I was doing um you've been there's a line between acknowledging your your colleagues those the people around you in general and then there's the other side of you completely putting yourself so down that your worth is just gone while being humble you acknowledge yours and others there is a difference I don't know where to start with this actually because I do agree with Nadia and Sahar and um I do think that if a person is kind they can be humble but then if it goes into that um, if it crosses the line of, for instance, let's say, um, let me think of an example. Let's say um, I do something for a friend and it's um, out of care, out of kindness. I'm not expecting anything. But then it gets to the point where, for instance, if I, if that same friend is expecting stuff like it's expecting the same treatment from me and I know that he's expecting it from me then I know then that crosses the line because I'm hurting myself in the process if that makes sense <laughs> so yeah I don't know if I was like direct or not but that's pretty much what I think like as long as you know your worth um and you know when to stop and set boundaries then it should count as being healthy you shouldn't let other people kind of walk all over you just because you're nice 
I 100% agree. Um, it's, it's, this is something that's really, really important. Me being a very, um, having a very strong empathetic um, personality. I, I always used to struggle uh, to set boundaries with other people because I didn't want people to feel bad. It took me a really long time to understand that other people feeling bad does not equate to me being wrong. Um, just because another person is feeling bad doesn't mean that I've done something purposely to make them feel bad. Um, and that if I don't put myself first, um, then I'm not like nobody's going to attend to me. I'm the person who has to attend to me. So um, coming to terms with this was was pretty tough for me. Um, I also believe that I should mention over here, and I, I think I touched upon it the last time I spoke as well. Um, Sometimes, like I said, certain people might think that you are behaving in a way that isn't humble um, because you are feeling proud of yourself, let's say, for example, for something. Um, <clears throat> but you never have to you never have to put yourself down to accommodate another human being just because you know that they're going to feel upset about something. Um, I think that's also really important to mention that um, you should be proud of all your achievements and you should be proud of how hard you've worked in your life and you should be proud of who you are as a person and you should constantly strive to do better and you should try your best never to make anybody else feel inferior to you and as long as you are trying your best to do that if somebody else does end up feeling inferior to you you shouldn't have to put yourself down to accommodate them um i would also like to add when it comes to self-deprecating uh, humor for people, it, for a lot of people, it is a form of um, coping mechanism, but at the same time, you have to know your audience because it could easily make everyone around you feel so uncomfortable. Why is this person talking so badly about themselves? Like, what do I say? Do I even have a say? So it ends up being like, uh -huh. uh, no, you're not, you're not ugly. You're not fat. Uh, go to therapy. <laughs> Why are you unloading this on me? <laughs> I, I kind of agree with everything that they all said. Um, and then there is the point of when people sometimes put you down because you're proud of your achievements, as Sahi said. Uh, we see it a lot with athletes. You know, some of them are very, they seem arrogant, but they're actually humble internally. They work really hard to be where they are, and they know the value of everyone around them. But externally, sometimes their bravado or their, their joy in the moment makes them act like they're number one. Um, so that's, that's where, you know, sometimes people act outwardly humble, but it's not real humility. It's a fake humility to please the masses. And then internally, they're actually humble. And, we, and sometimes, it, you know, people need to also understand that it's not only how you act, but... It's also how you feel to an extent. And uh, in terms of self-deprecation, uh, uh, I, I agree with everything that's been said, but I do think there are times where it shows you're healthy if you can actually have a self-deprecating joke about yourself. Like if you can sort of take the piss on yourself, it's actually quite healthy because you're not taking yourself too seriously. So you're not egotistical to an extent. And so I think that's perfectly healthy as long as they're doing it, not being attached to their ego. If they're doing it to make others feel better, then that's pretty unhealthy. And Mahi, what do you think? I think it's going to be cliched if I say I agree with everything that's been said. So I hate everything you all said. And I think it was all <laughs> crap. No, I'm, I'm kidding. 
uh, <laughs> I know it's like four people saying pretty much the same stuff. So, but yeah, I um, I I agree to a certain extent. I'm a big believer in words, and I think words have power. So, in certain situations. I don't believe like even as a joke, well, you guys kind of touched on it, but like being self-deprecating in certain senses or certain situations, uh, I think it's actually uh, more destructive than it can be constructive, no matter what the situation is. And also like Louis has touched on top of, uh, he's talked about this before that be an overflowing cup. So always try to fix things within yourself. And then after that, you can have like, you know, being humble or like you know putting people ahead of you and things like that sometimes you have to have that inside power you have to have taking care of yourself so much that puts you in a position that you can help others and be that person for the others so maybe don't forget that and i think like sometimes yes self-deprecation without burn when you know it's just like you know to defuse the situation or it's comical to like you know that it with friends and it's something to enjoy perfect but it shouldn't have a burn. It shouldn't have that. It's not, it shouldn't be that type of humor that you're kind of taking a jab at yourself and you knowingly doing it. And you, it just kind of leaves a taste in your mouth and you're like, kind of like, haha, everyone's laughing, but you feel like, oh, maybe it is true. So uh, those are the points that I would bring to this conversation. And then outside of your opinion, I want to kind of carry that on because you guys had similarities, but some differences as well. So now I want to ask, Captain America or Iron Man? Iron Man. Batman. What? You just went into exactly. like a whole different like... <laughs> exactly. Because uh, he's humble. I'm yeah, Batman is humble. Uh, Batman is pretty much Iron Man. They're like, they're one and the same. Just different universes. I mean, yeah. I love DC Iron Man. Man. Tara? Iron Man as well. All right. Uh, Nadia, you have no idea who those are, right? Okay, so... No, I know who they are, but I, I'm just not familiar with the world of superhero comics stuff. Right. So the reason I asked is, like, they're both very likable characters, and, like, Iron Man kind of attaches more to the humble side, and Iron... Uh, sorry. Captain America is more of the humble side, and then Iron Man is more of the... comes off arrogant, but still, at the end of the day, cares about everyone's good in his heart so that's why i want to like talking about humility and self-deprecation and everything else it's interesting to see what people kind of like and a lot of people like iron man they kind of like that arrogant side of things healthy arrogance and iron man's not self-deprecating not that much so when when you see people respecting themselves that way but also caring about other people people automatically then want to respect you as well there you go. um I know, again, like sometimes it can come off as arrogant and some people won't like it, but that says more about the people who are thinking it than the actual person who's being arrogant in quotation marks. Yeah, and that's the, like, that was the reason behind both questions. Cause like, they're both, you know, they're both the, they're both superheroes, they both care a lot, but one of them comes off as like, it's a, it's a more humble guy down to earth and like you know just helps anyone he can and then the other one comes off like like it or not and that makes him more charismatic as the arrogant guy so but asking your opinions about being humble and self-deprecating and then i just wanted to kind of get an insight of all right but 
who do you think is more charismatic or cooler who you like more and then uh i think that would give both me and you yourselves a little bit more kind of uh insight perspective yeah perspective or insight Clarity. too Okay, thank you, Ceres, or whatever it's called, or Hostelinda. I can't pronounce stuff, so I... <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I appreciate that. So yeah, it gives you insight, clarity, perspective to what you think internally or like how your brain works. But with that, I think we can bring this to an end. Sahi, do you want to close us out? If and give us a fake sponsor. Uh, um, there's a fake sponsor... <laughs> wow that's my contribution to this <laughs> wow thank you so the, the self-painting paintbrush um, okay. you, you're just copying the everything else that we've done before it's just like the self-doing something oh <laughs> uh, yeah the lego brick that bricks itself <laughs> wow. i am not I am not very good at coming up with these kind of like creative things. This is you, Mahi. Not... Jesus. All right. I mean, yes. I think I... Wait, wait. What? We have two creatives on this call. Why don't they come up with it? Yeah. Thank you. Two creative... You're not creative with words. Well, take, think of an image. We need like a cool sponsor. An image. How about the invisible chair that allows you to sit on the floor? Just squat down. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't uh, Tara? You wanted to talk about that Iranian mythological creature. So oh, okay. Make a fake sponsor yeah, let's go. The, the, the fake sponsor is Seymour. Tara, tell them what Seymour is. Uh, it's a weird giant bird that's a cross between a peacock or a dog, uh, and it can. It's large enough to pick up like an elephant or a whale. basically a giant bird says yeah kind of if you know what a phoenix (laughs) is that's like our cool phoenix basically but not fiery and looks like a dog doesn't respawn Mm, no with that thank you so (laughs) much (laughs) for listening to majoring in the minors if you actually manage to get to the end of this episode uh, this amalgamation of different get a life <laughs> get a life now nah, thank you so much for listening as usual we appreciate every single person who listens to this podcast please tell your parents family children grandparents friends co-workers the president to all listen to this podcast <laughs>